Welcome to the Monocle Podcast. We are an independent management consulting firm, and in this podcast, we discuss our latest insights and opinions to help you achieve exceptional performance in banking and insurance together. I'm Theo Kum, Director for Business Development and Research, based in Johannesburg. On this episode, we welcome our usual host and research manager, Guy Wilding, on the podcast to discuss Monocle's latest insights paper regarding Project Future. Welcome, Guy. Today, the tables are turned. Hi, Thea. Thanks for having me. As background, uh, Project Future is an initiative driven by PASA, the Payments Association of South Africa, to upgrade the country's payment capabilities to enable modernized instant mobile-based payments. Guy, can you tell us a little bit more about Project Future, what it is and why Monocle was interested in actually writing a paper about this topic? Project Future is being managed by PASA, like you said, being rolled out. And the objective is, and it's quite a mouthful, is to create a low-cost, easy-to-use, electronic, real-time retail payment solution in South Africa. So there's obviously a lot to to talk about there, but kind of the main components to talk about or to, to think about first is it needs to be instant in terms of payment and it needs to be easy to use through a mobile phone. Now, the Saab and PASA have, or the South African Reserve Bank and PASA, have realized that South Africa is becoming almost a laggard when it comes to digitizing payments, um, especially when we look at countries like India and China and a lot of Asian countries almost leapfrogging card technologies, debit cards and credit cards, and moving towards um, or embracing mobile payments from a kind of a majority uh, perspective. It becomes the, the main form of payment. And it can be boiled down the solution can be boiled down into the objective of um, creating a solution that rivals cash in South Africa. Guy, that's interesting. You mentioned rivaling cash. I saw in the paper you highlighted very specific or interesting South African statistics. Um, Perhaps just elaborate a bit for for our listeners, specifically the people listening internationally, what some of those statistics are and, and why this focus on cash replacement with this project. Yeah, so... I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to it on a phone or on a computer. And if you have one of those, the chances are you don't use cash on a daily basis, Um, especially as a South African. Your payments usually consist of card payments, um, new technologies like QR scanning or EFTs. So the difference, though, is that the majority of South Africans use cash um, in their transactions, specifically uh, low-income South Africans. And what this means is that these South Africans are affected by kind of the weaknesses of cash. So in South Africa, we've, we're quite good in that we have a majority of our uh, citizens being banked, having a, a bank account. Where we're not so great is that these accounts are not really used. Um, so while 80% of South Africans have a bank account, about 73% of transactions are performed through cash. Uh, so that kind of shows you that even though banks have a lot of clients and are providing the opportunity to use digital payments or card payments, it's not being uh, taken up by the majority of South Africans. And, and what that causes or what that creates is the, the problem where South Africans are then opened up to the weaknesses of cash, whether it be inflation, destroying the, the purchasing power of, of what you what you own or the cash that you have, as well as kind of the indirect costs of, of managing money, of going to an ATM, spending the time to to withdraw money. 
and one of the other big things is fees. This is something that passes is raised again that especially for lower income South Africans, the, the fees have a proportionally increased impact on people's salaries. The And, and, and that's one of the main reasons why a, a digital payment solution is so important for South Africans. And this is kind of coming through the rapid pro, uh, payments program being managed by Banks of Africa. Um, and this will be kind of the core functional system that's being put in place to enable Project Future. Guy, I was seeing in the paper some interesting stats there. The World Bank apparently says that 33% of South Africans with a bank account will, will withdraw all their money as soon as it's deposited. So in other words, they withdraw their full salary basically to, to do their, their, their purchases and spending. And while more than half, 53%, do not use their bank cards for electronic payments or services at all. So that's obviously very interesting. Um, so hence I get the whole focus on replacing the cash component of the, of the, of the economy with, with, with these services. On that note, what are some of the critical features of this rapid payment program? In my personal life, I use EFT and credit card payments, etc. And one would think that's quite sophisticated. But what is like the next step um, that's being envisaged in terms of the features and what this can offer us? Yeah, so the rapid payments program is being um, rolled out by Banks of Africa. And it kind of well, it has five criteria or five main features. Um, the first of it being instant capability, so real-time clearing. Now, this is maybe the most important um, aspect of the, of the solution in that if it's going to replace cash, it needs to have the instantaneous capability of cash. You need to be able to make a, a payment or a transaction immediately as you as you require it so you know we think about eft's that we use now but that transaction can take up to one or two days which you can't build a modern payment solution on that now we do have real-time clearing um in south africa since 2006 but with that solution it's not not every bank provides it it's generally the the six major banks of south africa um, allow you to use that service so there's a lack of interoperability and then there's a fee applied to it. So don't forget that this solution is meant to rival cash. And if you're paying a fee between 8 and 20 rand, it uh, definitely takes it away as a service for a majority of South Africans. The, the next feature is the ease of use. Now, don't forget cash is accepted across South Africa very easily. Most or All merchants and individuals in South Africa uh, will take rands from you. So the solution needs to be able to rival that. Um, and some of the features include request for payments. So merchants um, providing a request to your mobile phone where you can click through and make a payment to the merchant, as well as using sort of proxy addressing. So this might be your mobile phone number to make a payment uh, through that as an identifier or your ID number, which they use in, in India. That's kind of a, a technology that's been built. The third main function is interoperability. So we have this now in terms of um, interbank transactions. If you make an EFT payment, you'll be able to make it to um, any other bank account that you require. But we don't see that with e-wallets. There's a very much a restriction around um, being able to send money through your e-wallet to someone that sits in the same ecosystem. And this rapid payments program is going to allow cross payments between various institutions and that's that's vitally important when it comes to um, allowing sort of the accessibility of the solution the the next criteria is the building up of trust through fraud analytics and advanced analytics and, and this is almost a, a socio behavior consideration like the that you mentioned with 
major, a lot of South Africans not using their bank accounts um, the way we would expect. And that's because there's a lack of trust that um, South Africans would draw all their money out because they don't trust that a bank account will um, keep it safe. And when they log in, they'll see the, the, the right amount reflected. So there's a big element of, of driving trust within the uh, within the system and then finally there's api integration now this kind of speaks to um, the services we mentioned in our open banking paper but it's allowing non-banks as well as fintechs and banks to provide kind of additional and enhanced product features and services outside of just the payment clearing of the solution guy thanks i want to get to the point of api but before i do there's some interesting points you made earlier around around these new features that I wanted to maybe just unpack. Specifically, you were mentioning, originally, as you were explaining, I was thinking potentially this introduces a reliance on sophisticated cell phones, like smartphones, etc. But it doesn't seem that's the case. Um, does it mean that somebody with a normal cell phone can then transfer money and make payments based on just the ID number itself, and, and, and or, or for example, a cell phone number? And does it mean that person doesn't doesn't require a bank account per se? Yeah, so I mean, looking at the the mobile specification, smartphones are going to play a, a huge part in this. Um, most apps are built for smartphones, which requires data, and that becomes its issue in itself with South Africa's high data costs, um, as well as smartphone penetrations. Not every South African owns a smartphone. So there are ways around that. There's a USSD technology that uses simplified uh, messaging for payments so that's a kind of a way around it for a, a very south african point of view in terms of having a bank account it makes bank accounts maybe less important if you're introducing non-bank participants and you would do that uh, through this api integration layer okay this kind of dovetails nicely with the conversation you and i have had previously off uh, offline and things you've looked at at open finance or open banking, as it's called in the UK, open finance specifically in the use of uh, APIs. What is the role of this in Project Future? Or more, more specifically, what is the role of APIs in general looking forward in terms of the financial services space in South Africa? Yeah, so with Project Future, they're looking to create almost a layered architecture approach. So you would have your, your payment um, services as well as having kind of an additional layer for additional enhanced product features and services that would be um, enabled through API technology. And it does touch on open banking in our previous paper where we've got payment service providers. Now, these would be registered and regulated uh, services or institutions that can initiate payments out of bank accounts. So it's not just logging into your app your bank app and making the payment, these uh, institutions will be able to initiate that on your behalf. So it kind of pulls you out of one app into into another. It goes back to this uh, this open banking marketplace of of fighting for for uh, using these different apps, and we see that specifically in India and China. Now, China specifically, there is WeChat, which is their social media platform, but it also includes their uh, their payment solution, and you can pay for just about anything on there. Um, so it becomes this kind of marketplace of, of apps using this API technology. Another example is India, where they have uh, WhatsApp Pay. And now that is incorporating your payment services into WhatsApp, the social media application, and being able to make a payment 
using a cell phone number rather than a, a bank account all within that app, not having to log into your bank account. Guy, what are the expectations around timelines for this? Uh, how far ahead is this in the future? When can we start expecting these services available to us in South Africa? So what we've seen is a bit of a slowdown in terms of publications around or publications on updates around Project Future. The published timelines were that the rapid payments program would be uh, reaching its build conclusion by early 2021. But because of COVID, we expect that these timelines are going to be communicated a little bit differently this year. But we haven't seen too much um, in terms of change of timelines or really any kind of technical standards that have come out in terms of um, what might be required from banks, uh, non-banks, fintechs, or the different the different regulations that might be changing as a result of this solution. So at the moment, we're still keeping our eye on uh, any updates. Guy, we can also see when looking at where these regulations are going or these changes are going, clearly they're trying to open up the service offering and make it more accessible and easier from a consumer point of view, but also clearly from a financial services player point of view. In other words, fintechs and other players in this space and doing it in, a, in an organized manner. Where does it leave banks in South Africa who have historically had a major role in processing payments? Uh, from a historical point of view in South Africa, banks have obviously had a very important role to play in terms of payment. Um, they're embedded basically in the way that we conduct our payments now. You know, banks are also very well trusted and um, being well established have a huge amount of capital. So in terms of their position around these changes um, and the increased competition, we don't see such a challenge. I think the way that we, we view it is there's a massive opportunity for partnerships. So in terms of what banks can practically do to prepare for Project Future, we cover this quite extensively in our recommendations in the paper itself. But some of the more significant observations we've made would be performing a readiness assessment of your current payment capabilities and how they fit into Project Future, as well as reviewing your fraud and advanced analytics, especially when dealing with the, the increased volume of transactions that Project Future should be providing. Guy, thank you very much for sharing your insights. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. For our listeners that would like to learn more about what we do at Monocle and how we assist our clients with digital enterprise transformation, or to download a copy of the paper, please visit our website. Guy, thank you again. And to our audience, thank you for listening. Visit monocle.co.za or co.uk to subscribe for updates. From Johannesburg to London, Cape Town to Amsterdam, Monocle, we design change.